0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Today is Alexandra. You've got a K in there too, so I had to look at the spelling. (laughs) And then on your Instagram, the the last name is different. And I actually like when you explain what that means. It's not a surname. I think it says Ola on there. So can you say your last name and even just a little bit of that? Because that was interesting fact I didn't know about surnames.
1: (laughs) Okay. So my name is Alexandra Jarecka. But on my Instagram page, it says Alexandra Ola. Because I think for uh, for foreigners, I'm, I'm speaking about people from abroad for me as a Polish person and <laughs> um, it's something unusual uh, because um, English speaker speakers call Alexandra's Alex as a shorter version which in Poland we don't do it we say hola for Alexandra's and sometimes it's really funny uh, when um, at the someone comes to work and and says hola, hola everyone <laughs> oh, someone's calling me <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. I have a question. Are there been many Polish dancers at the Lido? Uh,
1: there is four Polish dancers currently in oh, the currently. show. Okay. Yes. Okay, so can and you tell but, a little... But we have, sorry, uh, no, 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 no. We have a lot of Polish names, which is really interesting. So we've got girls whose descendants, right? We're, yeah. uh, um, we're, uh, we're Polish, so we've got a lot of Polish names. Oh, that's awesome. Those are the
0: names, like, I want to say this right. Um, but yeah, so that's why I wanted to ask instead of, like, totally ruin that for you. So can you say a little what it was like growing up in Poland? Like, what was your childhood like? And when did dance
1: or music or arts come into your life? So my childhood was really, really busy. Um, I started dancing when I was uh, three years old, three year and a half. Um, that's when I went to, to, to a ballet school. And when I was seven, I started normal school, how I used to mm-hmm. call it and um, the, the State uh, School of Music, which I did at the same time as, uh, as normal school. So for 12 years, I used to go, I, I went to normal school and to music school, I played piano for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I did mm-hmm. ballet school. Um, so my ballet school was uh, very traditional, uh, taught Vaganova uh, method, Russian method, right? Um, so it was, uh, the main focus was on ballet. We had contemporary as well. Uh, we had original dances. Um, and then when I was around 10, 11 years old, we had a new teacher at the school um, who at the same time was a principal at the our theater, the musical theater of Lublin, and he introduced us to jazz technique. Was the first time, and um, that's when he saw he he saw something in me, and then he offered me to give me private classes because he saw that I could go further mm. with with his help, and. Um, and when I was only twelve years old, um, they needed one dancer at the theater, and my teacher, who worked there, he said, "Listen, I've got this student she's tall enough. <laughs> I was already around one seventy three probably, and she's good enough, and she she could replace this girl uh, so the show was the snow White, and they gave me the part which can uh, sound really funny. They gave me a part of a squirrel, okay. uh, but it was actually a very demanding variation for a student and even for a dancer, it was, uh, It consisted of uh, high jumps and it um, was quite, quite uh, difficult and demanding. Also because I was paired with another professional dancer. So I had to <laughs> look quite good next to her. Um, so that's when I started working in the theater and I continued for the next 10 years. Um, and I took part in different shows, such as La Traviata or uh, The Gypsy Baron. So it was completely different experience than, than The Leader, right? Because we had an orchestra, we had, um, we had opera singers, we had the ballet, we had actors there. Which, it was a great experience and it taught me a lot in such a young age, because yeah. I was only 12 when I started. And I continue for for the next ten years. at the same time, I would still go to all the schools and I would still have private classes with my ballet teacher and Then when I was thirteen years old, um, I auditioned for the Polish National ballet School in Warsaw in the capital city, and uh, they accepted me, but unfortunately, my father didn't agree because he knew that if i if I would go to the school. I would just pursue this path, and he just wanted me to be to be educated in different fields. Hmm. Uh, so I didn't go, but I still continued dancing. I continued in the theater, um, and uh, and after graduating from all the schools, I went to university. Can I, I go back university? to just
0: um, sure? Because to be twelve years old in a very professional world because were other, were your friends doing like the regular school thing, like just doing school and activities, but you were going to school and going to music school and doing your privates. And then also you're dancing in a professional company with adults. Did, I feel like the education of just that, like when people regular to just regular school and then they're 18, and they want to go out work. They have to learn what is even to be professional. But at 12, like, did you feel like at, like, in Part of it, or did you? Was it a little bit hard to be twelve in there with adults, or were there any anyone else your
1: age during that time? I was the only one. I was the only one. I was the youngest, and my uh, my ballet teacher would make sure that I behaved correctly, that I knew my place. You know, it's a bit different in a ballet company. You need to know your place when you come yeah. when you're new, and um, he put me with the, in the lodge with the with the first soloist. So I had the, she set a very good example example for me. And, uh, but I worked really hard because I want, I didn't want to be worse than they were. So whenever there was a class, he would put me next to himself and I would do the class next to him. And he would tell me, look at her, she's doing this right. She's good. You're not doing this correctly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he gave, that gave me a very good school.
0: You're eating, breathing, living like the arts all through your growing up years, your teen years when, wow, that's, yeah, that's really interesting of just like what that creates in you for professionalism, but also, you know, very serious at a young age.
1: Yes, I loved it. And sometimes, uh, you know, when when we had the rehearsal at the theater and they would need me, I would just not go to school, I prefer, I prefer to go to to the theater and just skip school. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh. Wow.
1: Because you're just just like you said, uh, just like you said, to just sit there and to like breathe in all that and watch, watch the professionals on stage and which is an experience not everyone gets when they're so young, right? To watch it backstage, not only during the show. Yeah. And you're learning by observing. True. Wow. So yes, so exactly. then
0: then when you are done with your normal school, because I think, and you even said something that I know people in other countries know, but in America, like, wait, you went to university, and you didn't pay for it. Like the whole thing of you had this great education that was that's just part of the Polish cu- culture, right? That school is not
1: yes. An expense. So uh, all the schools I did were public. Um, wow. All the schools I went to were public, and um, also university. And I gained my whole education in my city in Lublin.
0: Wow. 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 So now we have to get to how, how did you have it in your mind that you were going to be a professional dancer? Was that your goal?
1: Um, yes, but I wasn't really focused on it. Um, I was actually doing what I had to do at the time, but I, I was always very hardworking and whatever I had to do, I was making sure I, would do it, I was doing it the best I could. Um, oh, sorry, I lost the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, just that song. you wanted to be a
0: professional dancer, because some people start, I'm going to be professional, but some people are like, I really love this. I'm just going to keep doing it without an idea like it's going to be for money or that's going to be your whole life.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, I remember being interviewed when I was around, well, 11, 11 years old. And they asked me, what would you like to do when you're an adult? And I said, I would like to be a principal in the Polish National Ballet. <laughs> Good
0: thing to reach for.
1: <laughs> but then, but then you know, I, I grew up and I got really tall. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Made it really hard to find me a right partner <laughs> that would be tall enough for me. Uh, and also my school uh, was very traditional. And like I said before, it was all, all about ballet. Uh, the main focus was in ballet. So I was really, really focused on ballet and having a strong technique. So at the beginning, I, if you asked me when I was 10 years old, that do you think you could work in Paris in the cabaret? I would say, no, 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 only ballet. <laughs> yes.
0: Yep. <laughs> but That's, then it changed Yeah, it's interesting because it has very strong ballet technique in those shows. But people in the ballet world, like we, I've interviewed a few people that they kind of look down on that. That you're not. That's not really dancing. And it's not like it oh, is dancing. Do- and
1: and you need you need strong ballet technique uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the leader, especially that we do this uh, classical parts once, which that's I get to do the the thing. ballet duo. Yeah. Oh,
0: you do. Oh, wow. Yes, I was I, so I, impressed with that. I was so impressed with how much technique was in that show. And like these are dancers that didn't just you know, do the regular ballet jazz tap and go audition, like the strong, strong foundation. That's a very demanding show. And, you know, to do it in a ballet costume, but not what's a giant swan on your
1: head. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) the giant swan on your head and being on pointe shoes as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was very, very impressed with how much beautiful technique was in that show.
1: Yeah, It's a beautiful tableau. And I, uh, when I was still in rehearsals, I, I was asked by, the, by, by my captain if I would like to learn the duo uh, because I think um, there was uh, Jane, so our ballet mistress, she was sitting um, at the audience and watching me doing points because my normal spot in the Swan Tableau is on point. And then I got asked if I would like to learn the duo, which was at that time, I remember I hugged my captain, uh, Victoria, who you interviewed yes. before. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, this is my dream coming true right now. <laughs> wow. So I was yeah. really, really grateful to get this chance to do it.
0: But if you had seen that when you were in that ballet company, that would have probably not seemed like it made any sense that you're going to go to Paris and do a cabaret show. So no, what was do- it that got you there? Like, What is that, that transition from being in this ballet company to Paris?
1: So, uh, when I was uh, working in the theatre in Lublin, um, I, I was always treated at, like I'm the youngest, and there are certain numbers I cannot do because I'm too young. <laughs> I remember my 18th birthday, and you know when you, when you send birthday wishes on, uh, on Facebook, or you write on timeline and I remember one of the girls from the cast writing to me finally you can have a drink with us after the show (laughs) 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 Uh, which was so funny because I've already worked there for like six years (laughs) oh really Um, she started so young wow exactly um so then I started doing different parts when I got older and I saw other techniques and I was like I, I kind of like it because there was one uh, one show where I had to dance on high heels and I said oh I, that's something that suits me I like it and because I was obviously the tallest <laughs> from the <laughs> corps de ballet uh, among the girls and one uh, yeah so I was the tallest and uh, the choreographer would al- al- always tell me okay go to the bag because you're the tallest Alexandra you're the tallest go to the back, uh, oh. and there was only one tall guy that I could dance with. Um, And then one day, um, when I heard that again, um, I turned to the back and then there was our pianist and he said, you should be in Paris. And it just, Mm. I didn't really think about it, but then I came back home and I thought, maybe I should look into that. So I looked into that and I decided to go to Paris to see the shows. So I went to Paris for the weekend and I saw Delido and I saw Moulin Rouge. And I remember seeing the shows for the first time. I, I cried <laughs> at the really? I cried, it was so beautiful to me. And I saw that the standard at Delido was so high. Also at Moulin Rouge. The show the both shows were beautiful, beautiful to me. And they're they're obviously different, but I loved them both. And I came back home and I thought that I should start preparing myself. So I called my teacher and I said, listen, I would like to, I would like to audition. But before that, (laughs) before that, I remember we had one show uh, at our theater. And in Poland, we only have one cabaret, let's say cabaret theater, um, which is in Warsaw as well. It's very famous, um, and, um, and one day um, an artistic director from the theatre, he came down to Lublin and he took part in our show, and one day I was just passing by the corridor and he stopped me. He was standing with our directors and he asked me, are you the most beautiful from the ballet? And I said, "Oh, I don't know, <laughs> why are you asking? <laughs> and he said, here's my card, call me today after the show because I have a son your age and I would like you guys to meet. And I said, that's really strange, but right. I'll call. Out of curiosity, I'll, I'll call. <laughs> so I called and he said, listen, I couldn't say it in front of the director. But as you know, I work at the theater, which is called Sabbat. And I think you would be perfect for, for our ballet. And I would like you to audition. Oh my gosh, that and- was a very clever way. <laughs> it it was right. Mm, so I went to audition. I went to audition. I had to do a cancan. The um, I had to do cancan. I had to improvise. I had to learn a certain a routine to repeat as well. And um, the director of the theater, she's very she's very strict. And she said, "Okay, she's good. Come in the evening. We will measure you with the girls." So I came. In a, before the show and she told the whole uh, team to stand on stage and I stood next to them and I was the tallest and she said I thought I had tall girls but this <laughs> one is the tallest and then um, the artistic director who, who saw me in Lublin he said even if I have to change their heels for hire higher, for higher, I will I need this girl here I want this girl in the team <laughs> oh that's amazing wow yeah, that was great. But then I didn't. I didn't decide to to join them. I said, okay, maybe next year, because I was at the university, and I was I wasn't sure. I I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, if I wanted to drop out of uh, the university. So they waited for me. They waited for me three years. Uh, but I was still saying, that like, maybe next year. I'm not sure. And then in the meantime. Uh, I went to audition to Moulin Rouge because that was the first audition uh, coming. And then I went there and I actually didn't really know what to expect because, you know, it's the Moulin Rouge. Um, (laughs) So um, the casting was really hard. It took five or six hours from what I remember. Uh, And you had to do all the technique from ballet jazz hip-hop hip-hop on high heels can can cartwheels splits everything and I made it till the end I made it, I remember leaving the building and running down the stairs crying and calling my parents and saying guys I made it till the end I may get <laughs> the contract <laughs> wow. which which no no one thought that would happen because that was my first time
0: yeah and that's a big
1: big that's a that's a high standard. Yes, um, and, I, and I was so excited. I was so excited for the next two months, and I was waiting every day for the letter to come, which wasn't coming. Um, and But during these auditions, I met an English girl. We had like one moment, one minute to talk because we were waiting for, for other group to finish their choreography. Um, And uh, she said to me, she was working at La Nouvelle F, another cabaret. And I reminded myself this name and I Googled it and I saw they had audition. They were holding audition in, that was January, 2017. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to go. I'm just going to practice auditioning because it's really stressful. Mm -hmm. So for the next time, I'm just going to go. So I went there, I auditioned and, and I got the job the same day which I also didn't think would happen. Right. And I remember calling my parents and I said, guys, I got the job. And I just heard nothing, complete silence. And I was like, what are you saying? Like right now? And I said, yes, I'm starting in April. <laughs> and no one knew what to do uh, because still, I was still studying. It was my fourth year. So I graduated from, uh, I did my bachelor. And so I've, I had two years left of my master and I didn't know what to do. So I called a friend of mine who is an opera singer. And I said to him, listen, I didn't tell you that before, but now I'm in Paris and today I auditioned for a cabaret and I got the job, I don't know what to do. And he said to me, listen, I'm going on stage now because I'm in the middle of the show. I'll call you back once I'm done. <laughs> so <laughs> he went on stage sang what he had to sing he came back called me and he said listen you need to take this job because this opportunity may never happen again so that's what I did and I I will always be grateful for him to advising me this for giving me good advice and so um, I came back to Poland and I had to do something with my studies because I didn't want to stop so um, I would I wanted to ask for an individu- individual individual organi- organization of studies. Um, so for that I had to go to see uh, the dean of the faculty, uh, the faculty of humanistic, because I studied applied linguistics,
0: huh.
1: and I went to see her. It was a lady, and I and I said uh, that I would like to ask for this to study by myself, and she said, yeah what is the reason and I said um so I got this contract and it's only seven months so and also most of the months are just the summer months so when we're not studying we're not actually at the university and and she said to me you in Paris who would take you (laughs) and Uh. I I burst into tears it was just horrible to me uh, it was just horrible to me because I worked so hard for it, and someone yeah. was making it even harder for me to yeah. to achieve my dreams. So I found the loophole and I went to to another dean, and uh, and then he agreed. He asked me, "Did you speak to your to your tutors, to your professors?" And I said, "Yes." I said, "Yes, I did." They agreed, and um, and then he agreed, and I will be always forever grateful for my professors that they agreed for that. And they were they were very understanding and they were very help- helpful and they understood that that was my passion and that was something that I wanted to pursue and that was an opportunity that I got mm. um so I did the seven month contract at La Nouvelle F, um, how which was that what, coming
0: from your ballet world to that
1: I mean you've, it you've was seen the really Lido hard.
0: and you would seen the show but doing it and rehearsing and Picking up style and figuring and out costumes. like what, what was that like for you?
1: It was a completely new world. Also, another thing um, which I didn't think would be so hard for me because, you know, we travel a lot in Europe. Now it's easy. Um, and I've been to other countries and I speak other languages. I, I speak five languages. So I don't have this problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I was alone taking I wasn't on holidays it wasn't like two weeks or or one week of getting to know other culture I was just there for seven months with foreign with foreigners which who they have different culture and I felt really alone Mm. obviously everyone was really nice but even though I knew the language Um, it's not the same when you learn a language in your country and then you're actually among those people and it's a different culture. And I remember telling them all the time like, oh, but you know, but we in Poland, we did this and we in Poland, we did that. And in Poland, it happens like this. And they would laugh at me like, oh, you always talk about Poland. (laughs) (laughs) But I just felt this need to share my culture with them. I just, just wanted to do it. And also because I was the only Polish person in the cast. Um, yeah. Now at Lido we have, four, uh, there's three other girls, Polish girls. So it, it it's way easier. Like it, it's nicer. It's nice to have someone that is your culture. Obviously, we're not so, so different. But yeah. at the beginning, it was it, it was hard. I, I must say it was hard. Also, the contract was hard. We had one month of rehearsals, which was from... 9 till 6, 9 a.m., 6 p.m. Mm. It's really, very really hard. And learning Kanken for the first time, that was challenging. And I must say, I had a hard time picking up the choreography at the beginning because, you know, coming from ballet world, when you have to be turned out all the time and, like, learning to stand in bevel across <laughs> your legs <laughs> and all that and learning the choreography that felt strange to my body, Uh. But they, they, they saw that I had a good technique, that's what it, no, the direction said to me, and they gave me this chance, and I will be forever grateful for that, because uh, they, they made me a showgirl. I must say that it was a very good school, the contract was really hard, the show was hard, but it gave me a very, very good school, and I learned a lot there. I learned how to be a showgirl. And um, during this contract, I would study <laughs> during the day. <laughs> yeah. I had to study. I had to study. Um, and then I would do the shows at night. Um, and then uh, there was audition to the leader coming. And all my cast was only talking about this. What they're going to wear and all that. And I, I wasn't really thinking about it because I was thinking mostly about my studies. And one day um, I came to work and there was another girl and a choreographer and they were talking and I'm always one of the first ones to arrive at work. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. to be, you know, before the show to have my time to warm up properly and, and everything. And they, and they were talking and, um, and then this girl asked me, oh, are you going to go and audition for the leader?" And I said, oh, I wasn't really thinking about it. I I don't know. I've seen the show and I saw the standard was so high. And I was thinking, I don't know if I can do it, if I'm able to do it. And then the choreographer, she looked at me and she said, listen, look at you. You're here. You can get any job you want. Mm. And I thought, actually, it doesn't hurt to try. So I'm going to try. And, and, I, and I auditioned with my whole cast, and I made it till the end, and a few months after, I got my contract as a Bluebell.
0: Wow, did, did you audition, then you had to wait for them to contact you, and you're in the waiting?
1: Yeah, Did you think so about was, it? Of course, of course, every day when you check, maybe you're not just every waiting. day, but of course. Yeah. <sighs>
0: Like when they make uh, you wait that long, when you're, and you're going back and doing the other show and studying and just kind of waiting to see if you got it. How did you feel about the audition for the Lido? Did you feel like you, also because you'd come from another show, so you had gotten the showgirl and the jazz part, but how did that audition feel on your body now that you'd been doing some of that? Did you feel like you nailed it or was that
1: still pretty um, shaky? I, th- I think, I, of course, I was really stressed. Yeah. <laughs> I was super stressed. Also because, you know, you... You come and and sometimes you may think, okay, I'm tall and I've got good technique, so should be fine. But then you come and all the girls are pretty, they're tall, they've got good technique, so yeah. you're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> right? So so you need to do everything to to show yourself, to show your personality, to sh- to show something else, something more, to to attract the eye of the of the jury, right? Mm. So I just did everything I could. <laughs> And, and yeah, it was, it was, the, the choreo the choreography was different, um, but, but I liked it. I liked it. And since the first time I saw the show, I thought that it was something that was something for me. That was something that I would feel really good with in the show. So did you go back and finish
0: your other contract? I mean, did you run, do the whole contract with the other show or did you have to leave that one?
1: Yes. So I finished my contract and actually the waiting was even longer because I went back to Poland and I continued studying. I was in my fifth year. Uh, I was in my fifth year. So I was getting my uh, MA thesis. I was writing my thesis. And then I remember that's also a funny story. um, I was studying at night. I'm, I'm just a nightmare person. I just prefer to work at night rather than in the morning and I was studying something uh, very late at night and I got the email and I saw it was an email from the leader and it, it was saying, um, hey, Alexandra, um, we, we need one girl to, to arrive actually very, very quickly in two weeks time. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, everyone at home was asleep. So I was like, who do I tell this to? And like, I really want to <laughs> tell it to everyone that I got the contract. And I remember asking my mom, 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 are you asleep? And she says, yeah, it was the problem. I said, listen, I, I got the contract. I just got an email from the lead. And she said, we're going to speak in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: oh, that's so hard when you're so excited about something. Like you want somebody to get super excited with you.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, but my wow. mom was just like, I sleep and my parents are very hard working and they both work in the hospital. So, and, and obviously the next day my dad bought champagne and oh you got
0: to have your celebration <laughs>
1: and then you've got two
0: weeks to like figure out your life and they, do, they yeah, so exactly
1: the same. do they take care yes. of that do they
0: take care like you're your getting you there and what you need to do for papers and all that yes
1: Lido is very well organized and they're very very helpful for for the new dancers um so obviously at the university I did exactly the same as before <laughs> I had my individual organization of studies this time I knew how to do it yeah (laughs) who to go to Um, and then um, so I had two weeks of rehearsals and for that time they put me um, in a hotel some kind of hotel uh, for the period of rehearsals and then during this time they help you to find an accommodation a flat an apartment and that's how it was. They helped me find something and I found an apartment very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, after two weeks, I was ready to go on stage.
0: Oh my gosh, did you, uh, this is kind of going off track. Did you en- ever write your thesis?
1: I did, I did. So you completed. Uh, I oh, wow. Yes, I remember, um, I remember speaking to my, so asking one of the professors to sign my paper. And he said to me, but you need to promise me that you will graduate and you will write your thesis at all costs. And I said, I will. And I did. So I wrote my first, I wrote my bachelor thesis um, in um, bilingualism, multilingualism in global media and advertising. So something completely different, (laughs) not arts. Yes. Um, And then I did my master thesis more connected uh, with arts. I compared two movies, uh, one of Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Rare Window, which you probably know,
0: Yes. And
1: another one of a Polish, um, a Polish filmmaker, Krzysztof Kieślowski, a short film of love. And I compared the two movies um, and the cultural differences.
0: And were you doing this while you were at Toledo? Yes. Oh my gosh. So you will get long rehearsals. Then it, once you're in the show, cause I mean, you work, it's hard work, but you still were able to complete all that. That actually says a lot. That's really amazing. Cause it's a lot of work. And some people could say, eh, I'm doing my dream job. But the fact that you finished that, I wanted to say, yay, that's, that's really impressive. Cause to keep that discipline when you're in this, like what could be like the epitome of what you've been working for that you still finish that. So good on you.
1: Thank you. That was uh, that that was actually good to have something completely different to do in the day. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then at the end, obviously, I, I was that was a hard job because I had to go to a library that was like very, really, really far away, and I would spend their hours reading because it's not that I can write anything I want. I had yeah. to read a lot of books in different languages. Um, I I obviously because it was in Paris, so a lot of books that I had to read were in French, so I had to read them in French, you know, it takes time, I had to reread them, and then, and then, and then write as well, because uh, in Poland, uh, your MA thesis can have uh, at least 50 pages without references.
0: Oh, wow. So that's a lot of discipline. Were there things happening that you had to say, nope, I have to stick with this? I mean, because it feels like in a big cast, you could have people that are out partying, that people are going to school, there are people that have very different lives. But were you able to just still, you know, be part of the cast and have fun the show and, and have to go back and really get it done?
1: Yeah, I was, I was trying to, to choose sometimes when I really had, like, if I had an exam, uh, then I would say no. But I'm not really a big of a party person. I... I would like to be, I like to be, you know, prepared to be good on stage. So I don't really like staying up late and then being tired. I don't like to not feeling fresh in the morning. So I just mm. prefer to go to sleep. Yeah, that's wise. That's
0: so wise.
1: But of yeah, course, worked... if, if there oh, are like someone's birthday or like other gatherings, of course, I, w- I would go and girls are like everyone at Delito is so lovely and we hang out outside of work together so
0: so how was that being not the only polish person too like is the in poland we did this but you've got other polish girls to cast did it kind of bring a little camaraderie to know there's people from where you're from that understand what you're saying when you talk about cultural differences (laughs)
1: Yes, they call us Polish Mafia, (laughs) first of all because when we speak they can't understand. We rarely speak Polish between each other, sometimes like about maybe cultural things that we cannot translate really, Uh, but we mostly speak English or French so everyone could understand because we're in a big group, Um, so that wouldn't be really good of us if we just spoke Polish (laughs) next to other people and they couldn't understand. Um, Yeah, but it's really nice also because, you know, we have our traditions and when it's Christmas time and obviously, sometimes we can't spend it with our families. So, you know, it's nice. We share recipes, we bring each other food. Sometimes when uh, my friend Nina, when she she cooks something and she brings me something to work, like a soup or something, it's so nice. (laughs)
0: Oh, so you get that little bit of home. But also, too, like yeah. I remember that, that backstage thing of learning different, different countries' cultures, like Christmas time, like just cookies, like different things. Like, I want to taste every country's favorite thing. It's just such a great way to learn. So with your linguistics and that, did, did any of that kind of, did you see anywhere where it came together, even just being backstage in this very international cast? Was there anything um, when you left that part of your brain of not having to write a paper about it, but actually living in a, in a different country? Was there anything that kind of translated back and forth between those two things in
1: your life? So uh, that was, I, I. actually, as a linguist, I shouldn't start a sentence from so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I start every
0: podcast. So I'm like, I got to stop saying that. Like,
1: That's a good point. Well, I hope none of my professors will listen to it. Because then <laughs> you'll be like, oh, wait, what is she saying? <laughs> um, but it actually gave me a lot. Um, moving moving abroad and um, and being around English English people and Australians and Americans and and French people because um, it's different so what they taught me at uni first of all there's Polish people teaching you a foreign foreign language so it's always um, no matter how good they are it's always different it's always different Mm. than a native speaker and and another thing is that this, this spoken language that is alive, that uh, develops and evolves, revolves, it's, it's, it's different. It changes. So, so there were so many things that I learned from my colleagues that I didn't know. And I remember coming back from Paris um, to do my exams at the university. And one of the exams was just, um, just spoken English. And um, I remember my friends, we would uh, be asked questions and we would have one minute to, to prepare the answers. And I remember my friends from uni writing down what they wanted to say, making beautiful sentences. Well, I was just so fluent because I, I just could speak to my colleagues every day and I could ask them questions and, and and I would learn so much from them.
0: What a great learning opportunity. I mean, you're getting to do your, what you've trained your whole life to dance, but live in another city. And then just the different cultural thing. That's what I think it was when I moved back home that I didn't have that. I realized how rich that was to have, that's the best way to learn. Like I I broadens your perspective, right? Yeah, definitely. Like you think everything's the same.
1: Yeah. It's never the same when you, when you go back home, I think, Um, I also spoke to another dancer from Poland, she's an elderly lady right now, and she actually came to watch the show, she's very famous in Poland, Um, her name is Krystyna Mazurówna, I I invited her a a year ago, six months ago, I don't really remember exactly, last year, Um, and she was the first Polish dancer that was um, a soloist in a cabaret in Paris, and she danced in Casino de Paris. And really? the thing that's really interesting is that she was not tall. She was not tall, but she was so energetic, she was so passionate about this that she became a soloist. She was a Kankan soloist um, as well. And I remember seeing her as a when when she was young, she appeared in a, in a video clip of a very famous song, a Polish song, Kohatch. And I remember my dad showed me the clip and I saw her there and and he told me her story. And then when I was in Paris, because she lives in Paris still, and my dad said to me, listen, it's her birthday coming. I read that she's gonna hold a party at Le Marais, one of the districts in Paris, uh, at some art gallery. Maybe you should go, maybe you should go, maybe you should speak to her. So I went there before the show and there were so many people who admired her. And I, one of the girls, um, her friends, she came to pick me up. And she said to her, there is this girl from Dalido. She came and she would like to speak to you. Because I, obviously I had to run to Dalido to, because to <laughs> I had the yeah. show. And I brought an invitation for her. I brought the birthday card. And I said to her, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm really honored to, to meet you. And then she interrupted me and she said, No, I'm honored that a Lido dancer came to my birthday party. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so nice. And um and I said to her, You were an inspiration for me um since I was a kid, because she showed, because you know we had communism before in Poland, and she showed, she was one of the people that showed that even impossible can be possible. Because she 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 moved to paris started from nowhere she had so many jobs she had maybe around 35 jobs she had kids she was a a soloist at night at the casino de paris and um and i said you were a huge inspiration for me since i was a kid since i saw you in this video clip and then she said oh come on it was the easiest gig i've ever done (laughs) Oh. oh I know wow. it's so great, and then she came to watch the show. I invited she, her, and she, she did came. come. Oh my gosh! Did you talk to her yeah. afterwards? I did. We invited her. Uh, we had the picture. You can find it on my Instagram. Okay, I'm gonna look for that. She's very and she's an extravagant person. She's got like colorful hair and like you know extra lashes and nails done. Like she's great. She's just she's so charismatic um and she has a solution for everything she's just a great person and and she loved it she loved the show and and she was so proud to see a, a polish person on stage. oh i'd love that oh my gosh
0: so you basically are living your life in paris as a dancer and you how long were you in the show before things changed? we're going to get into that story now but two years two, two years that you, and that's in paris Marvais. Mar- Mar- i'm gonna say that wrong yeah. my French, I did my Duolingo before I went to Paris and I went, no, I still not even going to say one. I love it. I love it. I thought maybe I could pull it off. I went, no, it did help to at least be able to read signs and understand like I could read. I just couldn't speak it, but it is a hard language, but you had a head start on it. But, um, so you're living that life. And did you feel like I'm part of this, of of this culture here? And
1: or did you always feel a little bit like outside? Um, you know you feel different because you're still a foreigner, uh, yeah. but there's so many foreigners in Paris you don 't feel now after being there for two years and plus uh seven months of a previous contract. I feel like it 's my second home, but also coming home is not the same. You appreciate it a lot, but also you're somewhere in between that's exactly what the the, the Christina Marovna said to me that you 're always somewhere in between. Since you you move abroad, you're someone in between you. Like, it's hard to go back and, you know, you always miss home. You always feel homesick. Um, But it's good. It broadens your perspective. And I learned so much and I grew so much as a a dancer. I learned so much at Delido. I was given so many opportunities, which I'm grateful for. And I grew as a person as well. I I learned a lot. It's amazing. So we talked before
0: we recorded about like that you're home in Poland, but like with COVID hit, I feel like because I started my interviews in April, it's changed. As the longer this goes on, our understanding of it has changed. It's we're not in the panic mode, but we're also into like how long is this going to go on? Do you because you guys were hearing things in the news and you're still doing the show, right? And it's kind of like talked about, or or you're thinking maybe maybe we're going to close, or was it just a sudden? surprised like what was that process of knowing there's this thing looming and what how does that affect me being out of my own country and this is my whole career I've been working my whole life for
1: (laughs) as a pandemic already started and we're still working and obviously backstage we're talking if we're gonna close or not what's it gonna be like what we're gonna do but we didn't know they didn't tell us in advance and I remember the last show we did was the 12th of March and I, we left the theater and we just didn't think we would not go back for the next seven months.
0: So yeah. we left
1: everything as, as, as we left it that day. And on the 13th of March, that was Friday, we had the message in the afternoon that we we're closing and we didn't know how long it would last for. So first I was just confined in my small apartment in Paris and but it was just getting longer and longer and the situation was just so uncertain and you know you watch the news because you would like to be updated and you watch the news and it all looks so so scary and yeah. you were by yourself so I was by myself in the small apartment and um, and then I discussed with my parents if I should go to Poland or not also this was difficult because Poland closed their borders before France So when we got the decision from Lido that we were closing, the Polish borders were closing the next day. And I remember calling Polish embassy uh, in France and they said to me, the only way you can get to Poland is taking a plane from Amsterdam to Warsaw tomorrow at 6am, which was just impossible because first of all, I would have to get somehow to Amsterdam. That was impossible. So I decided to stay um i decided to stay and i was hesitating i didn't know what to do also i didn't have any way to go to poland and it was just getting worse and worse um and then um obviously um i was speaking to my friends because uh, and colleagues like girls uh because we're all in the same situation. And some of the girls, they decided to go home and I, and I saw the girls were going home and I didn't know what to decide. And, and if I wanted to go, how would I go home? And then I was, I was in a bad state. So um, I remember having a call from, from Jane, from our Bali mistress. She was, she, was, she was just very, very helpful. And it was so nice of her because she wouldn't leave anyone she knew that you know we are girls without most of us without families we just came there for a contract and she was so helpful and she was with us and she didn't leave us by ourselves you know she yeah. really cares about us so she called me and she said if you can go home because we don't know how long it's gonna take uh so um so uh, you you had some hesitancy time,
0: about going home too because of your parents and
1: Yes, because my dad is a doctor and my mom works in a laboratory, um, and I didn't want to bring something home, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so, that time, after a few days, few weeks, a uh, few days probably, a Polish government released um, flights from abroad to Poland to bring all the people that didn't manage to go home after holidays or who lost their jobs and they cannot afford staying in foreign countries. Um, so I bought the ticket, but I didn't go because I was still scared that I would bring the virus home Mm -hmm. or something would happen. And I didn't know if that was a good decision or if I would be go, I would be able to go back to France if we reopen because that was my main concern as well, that I didn't want to be stuck in Poland as well. because We didn't know how far it would go. Yeah, if they were already closing the borders, which never happened before, like in my life, it never happened. Like, I don't understand not being able to go abroad. Because, you know, I was yeah. raised in a free country, free Europe, where I could travel everywhere. Um, so then I bought another ticket, and I still decided not to go. And then I, <sighs> um, I spoke to a friend of mine, and he said to me, listen, If something happens where do you prefer to be home with your parents or alone in your apartment so then that's when I decided to go home and I think that was a good decision uh obviously I left everything I left my apartment I still have my apartment uh in Paris um now that they opened the borders I went to Paris and I'm going back to Paris soon as well um and I just hope we will reopen soon and everything will get back to normal. So are you wanting to be back in Paris just because when it is time, you're
0: already there or are you just kind of, it's hard, it's hard to be home when you don't have anything like, cause it seems like you are such a hard worker. You've always been working for something towards something. So to not have that, does, do you feel like you're just kind of in this waiting with nothing to even know what to do? First,
1: first of all for my body it was a hit at the beginning um, uh, the first day i was I, w- I thought okay i have a day <laughs> for for my body to rest it was yep. great but then i would exercise myself every day every day because i was thinking we may reopen so i'd exercise myself and then when i came back home i remember exercising more and more because you know coming from exercising you know, maybe ten hours a day because you do two shows, then you do the warm-up before the show and I normally do classes during the day. So exercising mm-hmm. ten hours a day to exercising at home because at that time also gyms were closed. Exercising one hour or two hours at home felt like nothing. Felt mm-hmm. like nothing. And just for my body. I you know you can't sleep because you you just can't get rid of this energy that you have inside you. Um Uh, and also you may feel useless because you're not doing anything you're just like hanging in here and you don't know what's happening and I like to feel like I'm doing something that is needed and I'm helping someone or like I'm good I'm doing something actually um uh and then I spoke to the to the principal of the ballet school in my city and then she said to me what was the situation obviously as all the other schools, they, they, they closed. And I said, listen, I have free time. I can come and I can do online class for the girls. That would be great for me and for them yeah. as well. They can exercise at home. So that's what I did. And that was, that was a very good experience, uh. very interesting as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then holidays happened and now I was hired by the school uh, to create the choreography for the, for the concert. Um, so I try to, you know, share my experience with the girls and teach them something new that they haven't learned before. Um, so I'm I'm really focused on that. You know, I listen to the music the whole night and I create pieces. I record myself. I I really work hard on it because I would like to give them the best I can. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I continued studying languages. Uh, so i started spanish and i continue my italian which advanced a lot because i was just doing italian every day for the whole quarantine period so i went from level a2 to c1 <laughs>
0: wow so you're really using your time do you stay in contact are the, are the dancers like communicating like checking in with each other because everybody really spread out far because i know it's like there's a lot of countries represented there
1: Yes of course we are still in contact with each other we we're, we're like really looking forward to reopening to going back on stage I think it's it's horrible for young artists for us for young dancers that you know we're in the middle of our career in the like best time and for people who are ambitious and they had planned plan for their career it, it's horrible because it's just broken and and you don't know what it's going to be and how it's going to be so it, it's yeah. a hard time.
0: Well I think for dancers too you kind of know in the back of your mind it's not a long you're not going to do this when you're 70 probably so exactly. even knowing seven months of the of that part of your very vital time That's feels true. different like I'm 61 I'm not dancing as much but it's not like oh you know I'm I, I've done that like I feel like a lot of us that are older bluebells that are listening to you we are just rooting for you because we've done it and then for you guys to be in this place that we're like just I know there's a lot of bluebells my age and older that are just so happy for these interviews to hear that it's still going the legacy's still going that you guys are getting to live that dream and it's like we're rooting for you because just knowing like how much goes into that and you're right in this place to really live it and just have it on hold is it's heartbreaking and I, I love it, it that we can do both and it's like yes you're making things work you're learning your languages you're teaching And if that's what you have changed,
1: it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not what I had planned. And it's not that it's not something I wanted to do during this time right now, Yeah. because, okay, I've, I've worked at the leader for two years, but there are girls who worked there for like 15 years. And for me, it's hard going from doing two shows a night to not going on stage at all, not being able to perform. It's horrible, but also like 15 years to nothing. It's, it, it's just, it's just horrible.
0: Do you guys, when you talk, do you guys kind of share the, the reality of it or is, instead of just like trying to make everybody just pretend it's easier? Like, do you guys get to actually have no, heart no. to heart or do you kind of well, keep that to yourself? Obviously,
1: we, we try to stay positive and to think positive, but uh, but no, we we, we tell our, our worries and, and we speak how we feel because mm. I, I think it's good. I think it's good to talk about it
0: but it's different to talk to about uh, with people that are living it. Or if you say like for dance, like when a dancer ends their job, another dancer understands, but if you tell someone who has a different job and they're like, well, just do something else. They don't understand that this Mm -hmm. is who you are. It's a part of your soul. And so just say, oh, just go do something
1: else. It's not, that's not where
0: your heart is. It's not where your whole, everything you work for is. Exactly. You're
1: right. Even me, when I came to Poland, I had to, and I was having a hard time not being able to perform, and I had to explain it. But my parents they understand it perfectly because obviously you know they're uh, they're a big part of my life every time something big was happening in my life and and they know how much I cared about the leader and about this job that I was really working hard to be the best I could on stage and every time i was i was I was getting promoted like when I prom- I got promoted from global to, to be to be a bell and I got to do mm-hmm. the lustre, the chandelier, mm-hmm. which you mm-hmm. saw. And I-, I was sharing all this with my parents and-, and now that it all stopped, my parents they understand that it it's really hard time for us. Yeah.
0: But some other
1: people like you say they may not understand. I'm like, yeah, just do something else. It's not so easy to do something else. No. I mean especially- you can do something else, but like if your heart is somewhere else. And it's not the same. So are you going back to Paris? Just
0: going to kind of just wait and do things there or just you're ready to go or just feeling like a hint that maybe I think it was like we said, Crazy Horse is open. I did an interview with Marissa Burgess, who was the principal at the Moulin Rouge for years.
1: I listened to, I, I to <gasps> this episode. It was great. It was great to listen to, to her story, like all the stories you, you shared.
0: <laughs> and I interviewed her again last night and she's doing another show in Perth next weekend. And she said there's wow. only three, three shows that are happening. It's, one is the Crazy Horse. I don't remember the other one. And then their show. So it's, it's because Perth has really been really great with the quarantine and keeping mm-hmm. the, the numbers down. Yeah, low. Australia so, is uh, really good
1: because they, they closed <laughs> pretty yeah. fast. And then
0: <laughs> yeah. So just to hear her, I got very emotional to think you're going to get to do this. And I wish I wish I could be there. I would be so happy to be in the show just to see that, just to see like this will continue. And so I don't know if it kind of gives other shows like a little bit of energy, like maybe it's coming, but then we watch the Mm -hmm. numbers do this whole up and down thing. And like, there is no, like we're on the other side of it. So just to be able to not lose your hope, um, would be hard. And I'm wondering if being Paris just makes it feel a little more real that it's coming or to not be at home or just change the scenery.
1: Um, Yes, change of scenery as well. Mm-hmm. But I think, obviously, I have more opportunities in Paris. And I applied for for studies, for doing a formation. Uh, so, like, a formation. So, it's yeah. a few months. Um, and I probably will start it soon. So, and in the meantime, I just hope Lido will reopen soon and we'll be able to perform. Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, um the fact that you don't have to go find an apartment and start over that you can kind of go back, which maybe will feel a little more.
1: That's so much easier. Yes. I didn't want to get rid of my apartment or just leave everything because I don't feel like I want to leave Paris. That this is the end. I don't want to think about it this way. And I would really like to go back. Um, That's what I aimed at and just hoping for the best.
0: So to end this, When you think about that, like I think I've asked almost everybody in the current show, what is it when you kind of picture yourself there, what is it you look the most forward to when that finally happens? When you can feel it in your
1: body. Oh my God. When I just put the feathers on and I stand on the stairs and I just wait, even talking about it, just, I, like makes me want to cry. It's like, I remember when you, when you guys came to their reunion, Mm. And we're standing on the stairs waiting to go back on stage. And we heard this round of applause and like you screaming. And I'm not really a person that would get really emotional easily, but I had tears in my eyes. That was, you were just the best audience we've ever had, I think. I have chills right now because it was so, (laughs) it was so fun
0: because, you know, when you go see a show, you kind of like think that, what are they doing backstage? Because other people like, are they nervous? Like, no, you do this every night, but to know that like, they're back there doing that thing they're putting their shoes on like to picture the whole thing and then when that curtain came up i was surprised of how emotional i was mm-hmm. and then just to see the beauty of that and i think for us it was this gift to see you guys do it, and it was also like oh my gosh we did that so i think it just made both sides appreciate the the yeah, legacy that was- it was such a beautiful show and like, I, was- I wish if we could get out of the United States ever, <laughs> but I want, I wish I could, I wish I could be there for the opening because I feel so much of a connection with you guys of wanting this to work for you and getting to experience that. And it'd probably be a while before I can, but my plan is to come see the show. And even after that it's been gone, I think it's already been appreciated, but even more so of the things that are going to come back or things that probably have more of a legacy then it's hard when things are newer to see if it can survive but because Lido has such a long legacy and it's such a part legacy, of yes. the, the French uh, culture and it's so important that it makes it there that maybe you know as soon as those doors are open it do it safely
1: you're right uh, you're right and I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of this legacy and also especially now hearing all the stories that you share in your podcast and your episodes I just feel like wow! I'm so amazed. Like I'm a part of it. Like I work yes. at Delito and like all these amazing people work there. And coming back to to the Iranian, I must say we were nervous that night. We were <laughs> nervous. Only until the point with uh, until the point when you when the curtain opened and you were such a lovely audience, and you were you were just like looking at you, if you know where you can see from stage, but like <laughs> some of the faces just in front of you that you can see and you were just the best audience we've ever had and it was so nice and we just stopped being nervous and and it was a great show and it was a great experience for for both of the sides as as you said mm. it was just amazing it feels like
0: we a lot of us that I've interviewed that were at the parrot at the reunion said we're so glad that covid didn't hit last year right. that just we feel like even more like bl- honored that we got to be there and I think it was kind of the as we went into quarantine it felt like something for a lot of us to hold on to that that's helping with COVID I think these stories are helping us remember the importance of community and the importance of our life and how our life affects other people and so each each story that comes on here is such an important part because one day you might be on the other stage watching someone your age do it and know that you're part of that legacy that they're going oh my gosh you you did this before me so I just think it's we kind of don't go the way that I grew up. It's like you just go do the next show and the next show and you don't really pay attention to the, the ripple of how many people have come through there and how each pair yeah, of feet that true. dance on that stage are, are changing the story.
1: That's true. And, um, you know, some of my friends before I started working at Delito, most of them, they didn't know Delito. But when I tell them about it, when I tell them about it, they're like, wow, that, that's something amazing. And, and you work in it and I get to know you. <laughs> I was like, come on. But like, I get to work there. And and whenever someone comes to watch the show, um, they're just amazed just by the show, how beautiful it is. And I'm just so glad to be a part of it and that I got to do it before the COVID hit, like you said. Yeah. Because it's like it's I never- had to... Oh, Sorry, uh, that, that I, uh, that I had the chance to do, to do the different parts in the show. That's also,
0: yeah. I tried so many things. When you've also got enough underneath you that when you go back, even those of you have had, had it in your body longer, you know, it's probably different than someone was brand new to the show and they're just kind of still getting their place. Like you guys have established yourself and the different that you've moved up into the, the bells and, um, so when you I, we're gonna have to to end this, and I always say it every single time. I hate that because I just want to <laughs> talk for so long because I'm like every everything makes me think of more things I'd like to know about you and the Lido. But I would love it when you guys open the show if you will please take some pictures backstage, and 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 even like record it because I if I could be there I would love to, but just to hear what it will be like for you guys when you get backstage together and what it was like to be done at the end of the show like because it's historical like the things
1: we kind of, of forget course, like i wanted to say it yeah it will be in a historical event of course we'll do it yeah like, should... uh, right message right back to you
0: oh cause so because i think like we think of we're we're in history but you don't think about it and then like how many movies and books are gonna be written about this time from every perspective of every country and the perspective of a dancer in, in Paris is a, is like 12 movies right there or a mini series or a Netflix <laughs> series, you know, it should be like backstage of the blue belt, like that you are living this historical thing. And so when you get to come back, it's going to be just, there's some more time for champagne too, like that, lots of champagne and celebrate. And a lot of us <laughs> from all over that have been listening to these stories will be celebrating with you because it's going to be, we'll um, be so happy when that finally gets to come back. So Alessandra, thank Good you. Problem so much for doing this interview and please pass this on to the other other bluebells that we're rooting for you guys and um also we're, we're feeling the grief with you too so just we, you're not alone in this even though we feel all separated in our tiny homes that um we have this this community and this family that that goes all around the whole world over many decades
1: thank you thank you so much for everything and thank you so much for having me on your podcast like once again like I said to you before that I think it, it was a great idea of yours to to gather all the people that continue the legacy of little boys and, and girls and that you know that all the people that are um, c- you know are connected by this one thing of of cabaret and dance and they should they have so many different stories and that because of you they can share them mm. and we can listen to them that that was a great idea of yours and and I'm really, really honored that I can be a part of it. So thank you once again for having me on. Yeah. And thank you for saying yes. Okay. All right. I'll be watching your
0: career and, I, and I'm in to end recording. And I have one more thing I'll ask you offside the of recording. So thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.